Title of our lesson this morning, True Friends. We'll take a look at John chapter 1, verse 43 through 51. Now, as we take a look at this this morning, I do want to say as we get into this, kind of the first part of the introduction, I'm going to read various passages. And then kind of in the second point is where I kind of shift to uh, John chapter 1, 43 through 51, where we're going to talk about Philip and Nathaniel as friends there. Humans are relational. I started to put in quotes down there, especially women, but I, I left that off. Humans are relational, and friendships are important to us. But the question I want to ask this morning, the, one, the thing I want us to think about, does God use those friendships, those associations that we have to help shape us, to help grow us, to help us to mature as Christians? And uh, I want to give consideration to that this morning, both in the lives of those who are Christians, and does He use those associations to help develop others spiritually also? So thinking along those lines. So three points, reaching out to others, caring, sharing, being honest with others, and then invite others to take a closer look. And that's what Philip's going to tell Nathaniel, come see and so we want to give consideration to that. So, as we think about friends, and as it's talked about within the Scriptures, I want to give a little sort of uh, qualifier as we get into this this morning. We are relational. Friendships are important to us. Those that we can be close to. Those that we can bond with and so forth. And so sometimes, whenever we talk about friends, and we think about that as far as Christians are concerned, Sometimes we kind of contemplate, sometimes we kind of debate over that a little bit in our own minds, and we think about, well, how am I supposed to associate, relate to just those people in the world? And then what about other Christians? So here's a little qualifier. I do believe that according to God's Word, yes, we can have friends that are out there in the world. But here's the qualifier. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully. So if someone were to say, can I have a Christian? Can I have a friend who, who's not a Christian? And my answer to that would be yes and no. You follow? Yes, you can, but you also want to be Cautious. Who is having an influence on who? I believe that's what the writer of Proverbs is talking about. The righteous choose their friends carefully. So now I'm going to read to you from 2 Timothy, the fourth, or 2 Timothy, the second chapter. And then we're going to take a look at John, the 17th chapter, which I think kind of helps set the stage for what we're going to talk about, having friends, both Christian and and non-Christian, and how God uses those relationships to help shape us, mold us, form us, but also to be an influence in their lives also. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through 26 says, And a servant of the Lord, I understand Paul is writing to Timothy. We normally think of him as being a preacher and evangelist. But I think this applies, believe this applies also to us as Christians and how we should treat others, even those who are unbelievers. So listen. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, 
What do you say? A servant of the Lord must not quarrel. So stop right there just one minute. Do you ever in, have discussions with those who are not Christians and it becomes a quarrel? A lot of times that can happen, but that's not necessarily beneficial, is it? So he says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who oppose the truth, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. What's Paul saying to Timothy? Don't fight about this. You've got to keep in mind what you're trying to accomplish. And you've got to keep in mind that these people have been taken captive by the devil and he would love to hold on to them. And if he could create a fight between you and them, guess who wins? He does. So he says, don't quarrel. Be patient. Be gentle to all. That's what it says. Now I'm going to read to you from the Gospel according to John in the 17th chapter. This is that night when Jesus, the last night, and Jesus is going to be betrayed and He's with His disciples. And He's going to offer up a prayer to the Heavenly Father and He's going to pray for them, but He's also going to pray for those in the world. John chapter 17, beginning at verse 15. First of all, he's talking about his disciples. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. By truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, and that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. He's praying also for those who will come to believe through their word. What's that tell you? There has got to be association. Is there not? But he said, I'm not going to ask you to take them out of the world but help sanctify them. Sanctify them in truth so that they and the world may be all one in us. What's Jesus saying? I'm going to use them to reach the world so that they might all come to be one. Now, as I mentioned that, 
I also mention this from Romans the 12th chapter and verse 10. Because oftentimes we talk about the association between Christians. And we point to Romans 12 and verse 10. And we talk about how we ought to honor one another. He's talking about Christians and how we ought to prefer one another. Well, certainly so. And we recognize the close association that we ought to have as brothers and sisters in Christ. But I mentioned those other verses just simply for this reason. We're going to have associations with other people. Choose your friends wisely. Keep in mind what the goal is, is to convert them, not to be taken away from the Lord by them. That's what Jesus is talking about in John the 17th chapter. So Scripture speaks of, talks about the things that spiritual friends do for one another. That Christians do for one another. We pray for one another. James the fifth chapter. I'm just going to point out a few verses. We could multiply verses in this area. We pray for one another. James the fifth chapter. We speak God's word into one another's lives. Romans the 15th chapter about verse 14. We exhort one another or we admonish one another. We serve alongside of one another. 1 Corinthians the 3rd chapter. We are fellow laborers together with God. We hold one another accountable. Galatians the 6th chapter. Brethren, if anyone be overtaken in a sin... You who are spiritual, restore such a one in gentleness and meekness, looking to yourselves, lest you also be tempted. Those are some of the things Christians do, friends do for one another. But now then, what about those people in our lives that are not Christians? People who don't believe or people who are of another belief what about those people do you think because we think about Christians and we think about all that we do for one another and how we are to edify one another build one another encourage each other in the most holy faith we do those things And we think that could help me to grow spiritually and to mature and to develop and rightly so. But what about those who don't believe or those who are another faith? Does God ever use them to help us grow? Does God bring those associations into our lives so that we can help them grow. We'll think about that. Early on, and I'm sure others have done this too, we sometimes wrestle sort of with that sacred, secular sort of distinction. So on Sundays we're here. And we think of this this sort of spiritual, sacred type of setting we associate with other Christians and so forth. But then tomorrow, you all, I don't, I come here. Sometimes I don't come here. You go back out to what we say, you go back to the world. 
and you associate with those at work and so forth. And sometimes you develop friendships with people at work. And so we kind of wrestle with that a little bit, don't we? And we think about various passages like James the fourth chapter and verse 4. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God? And they, well, wait a minute. Should I even have friends that are not Christians? And I don't want to make an enemy of God. And so sometimes we kind of hesitate a little bit when we think about that. It's like, should I do that? So let me give you an illustration. One person said, I started making friends with a couple of co-workers, which I found out fairly soon that they knew each other and that they both were Jewish. But they seemed like good folks. I told them I'm a Christian. They said, that built more walls than bridges when I said that. But, we continued talking. We found common ground. I actually learned quite a bit from them about the importance of traditions that they had in their families. And how they passed those things along to their kids. I shared with them about my beliefs. Now watch. They believe in the same God I believe in. Do you agree with that? But in their relationship with Him, they see their relationship from a different angle. I serve God from one covenant relationship. They serve God from a different covenant relationship. This person doesn't state that's okay. What they're stating is, I see where they're coming from. It started me, they went on to say, it started me to thinking about my friendships and my associations with people of another faith or of no faith at all. And then I realized that those associations can actually be powerful. It made me examine my faith. It strengthened me because I once again studied and reassured myself of where I stood. But it also made me think how I could share that with them. Why do I believe what I believe? Why do I serve God the way I serve God. 
no argument, no quarrel, no fight. Hebrews 8 chapter. It's a new covenant. I understand what you're saying about the covenant and the relationship with you have got that you believe you have with God through that covenant. Jesus brought a new covenant. This is the one through which I serve God. Can we do that? I realized those conversations can lead to growth in both of our lives. Can you defend your faith? Can you present Jesus and your relationship with Him to them? Now then, now we'll go to the Gospel of John, the first chapter. Caring, sharing, and then being honest with others. In John, the first chapter, at verse 43, which John read for us this morning, it says, The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. As we take a look at what's contained there in John chapter 1, 43 through 51, that John read for us this morning. We see this set of friends. This is, this is Philip and Nathaniel. This is not like Andrew and Peter. This is not brothers. These, these are friends. We take it close associates of one another. They were from the town of Bethsaida. And so Philip goes and he finds Nathaniel and he tells him, we have found the one Moses The one Moses wrote about in the law. And about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. You see what that says? So as he talks with Nathaniel. This is the one whom the prophets wrote about. So they both have common ground. This one, Moses wrote about, hey, let's examine this. Let's talk about this scripture. And Moses said that there was going to be another prophet like him that God would raise up among their brethren. Just one passage. (laughs) This is where we started. We're not told a whole lot about Philip and Nathaniel. It seems though they had known each other from Bethsaida. They grew up near the Sea of Galilee. And I do know this, that later on in John's Gospel, over John about chapter 21, that after Jesus has been crucified, after He's been resurrected, the apostles are not quite sure what they're supposed to be doing. And what does Peter say? He said, I'm going fishing. (laughs) He's going back to what he knows. And guess who's there? Nathaniel's there. And he's going with him. (laughs) Might as well go fishing. Don't know what else to do. (sighs) But the point 
Here's these friends. Seems fairly obvious from the Scripture that they both seek after God. They go out to hear John. I believe it's also reasonable to understand from the text as many were going out to hear John, they were probably dissatisfied with the religious system of the day and with the Pharisees and scribes and so forth and the things that they were teaching. And so they wanted to hear what John had to say. Matthew, the 23rd chapter, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you tithe mint, anise, and cumin, and neglect the weightier matters of the law, justice, faith, or justice, mercy, and faith. Nathaniel and Philip were probably in that group that thought, you know what? <laughs> We've heard about all this tithing down to the very tiniest seed. And why can't we hear something about justice and mercy and faith? And Jesus said, You teach all those things. <laughs> but you leave these weightier matters. Why don't you discuss those? So when John comes along, they go to hear him. It appears they talk together. They search the Scriptures together. Who the Messiah might be. Where does he come from? So one of the first things we see is they encourage one another. They sort of enliven and enhance each other's spiritual well-being. Can you see that? One Christian writer in regards to this section said, on the subject of, he refers to it, on the subject of spiritual formation, he's talking about formation of friendships, associations. He said, spiritual friends nurture the growth of each other's inner self and help each other become whole people. What does that mean? You know what I say? We come to understand that we are both physical and spiritual. That sometimes people may be ailing. Sometimes people may be sick. Sometimes people may be in need physically. And we see that and we want to help. But are we as ready and can we discern, can we see when people are struggling spiritually? And that's what he's saying about friends. And that's what they do. Let me give you this illustration. There was a guy who said he got interested in running. He said so he kind of started trying it out and going on short runs and jogging and so forth. And then he said pretty soon, he said, I started talking with other people or runners. And the more I associated with them, the more I kind of got involved. 
He goes, before I knew it, I was subscribing to runner's magazines. And I had them coming to my place. And he said, then I was reading about it. I was associating with others that were doing it. I was all into it. He said, then for some reason, I kind of stopped. I stopped running. And he said, what I realized is that when I stopped running, I stopped reading. And then I stopped associating. Can you see that? So Matthew, the fourth chapter in verse four, when Jesus is being tempted, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What was he saying? What he is saying is that you're more than just physical. You need something else to feed you. Not just bread. You need the word of God. Can you see that? That's what this writer was saying. They help one another's inner being. And become whole people. You're not whole if you don't understand that you're both physical and spiritual. So a Christian mom said that she had neighbors, other moms with kids, and they played together, friends. So she asked them one day, would you like to come over for coffee? We'll read a few passages about parenting. And can we pray together? Immediately they all said, sure. She said, you know what I learned from that? It's when I asked somebody else, can I pray for you? How powerful that was. How ready people are. Yeah. You pray for me. And she said it opened the door. Take an interest in somebody's whole being. Not just their physical being, but their spiritual being. I want to read to you from Luke, the 19th chapter. Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 41. This is when Jesus is going to enter into Jerusalem. It's that last week. Luke 19, beginning at verse 41. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in, the, in this your day, the things that make for, you, make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. What's Jesus saying? He weeps over them. You don't realize what's going to happen to you 
and you did not recognize the day of your visitation. You had an opportunity and you haven't seized it. And He wept over them. He felt the burden of that. Knowing what was going to happen to them. We've been studying Corinthians, right? We're not there yet, but we're headed there. 2 Corinthians 11 chapter. And what does Paul say in facing all the things that he goes through in chapter 11? Remember that? All the persecutions that he suffers. And then he says in addition to that, he carries the burden, the weight of all the churches. What's he saying? I worry about them. I pray for them. I'm concerned about them. I carry that. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Paul is saying. So let me give you another illustration. Close to home. So just within like the last week, I was talking with someone from here. From here. And they said to me, as far as being associated with this group, they said, I want to carry my load. So I want to carry my load. I thought that was a good way of putting it. You ever think about that? What's it take to carry the load as a member of this congregation. Brothers and sisters in Christ, they're whole human beings. They're both physical and spiritual. What does it take to carry your share of the load? See what I'm saying? Jesus felt the burden spiritual burden of these people. Paul felt the spiritual burden of these people. And so we should ask ourselves, do we feel the burden, the load, and carrying our share of that? Is that reasonable? I think so. How can I encourage, hold up, exhort, Admonish, like we talked about in the beginning. Pray for other members. So you care. The spiritual friends share good news also. In John 1 and verse 45, what's the first thing that Philip does? Philip, first thing. He goes looking for Nathaniel, and he's going to share that good news with him. And he says, we have found the one whom Moses wrote about. He's talking about the book of Deuteronomy. So Philip, right away, wanted to tell his friend about this good news. And as I was thinking about it, I thought, well, isn't that kind of funny? Spiritual good news. Right away, he wanted to tell him about that. Have you seen any good movies lately? So I'll ask some of you. 
Have you seen any good plays lately? And a lot of times when that happens, what's the first thing we want to do? We want to tell somebody else about it, right? But it's kind of funny that when it comes to spiritual things, we can be a little hesitant, right? So let's just assume for a moment you're at work and there's a sort of common break area sort of thing and you went to a new restaurant and you thought it was great. And so you decided that you wanted to tell somebody else about that restaurant, but now let's make the spiritual application of that. Because what I'm suggesting is that sometimes when we start to talk about spiritual things, we get a little hesitant. So here you have a new restaurant. You're all excited about it and you want to tell somebody and you go up to them and you go, I hate to bother you. I kind of wanted to tell you about where we went Friday night. It was, it was this restaurant. Maybe you've got your own restaurants. Well, let me tell you about it, okay? Do you believe in restaurants? <laughs> well, there's this one I think is fantastic. Maybe. You, you can have to decide. Maybe you want to try. I don't know. Is that kind of goofy? <laughs> it's not the way we talk about when we talk about going to see a movie or going to a restaurant. Hey, let me tell you, this is awesome. But somehow, when it becomes spiritual, it gets a little awkward. Now, what I was thinking is, maybe we just need to practice a little. Hey, you know what? I read something the other morning from the scriptures I thought was really interesting. See what the response is. You want to hear it? Or they say, I don't want to hear it. Well, it's not a fuss. It's not a fight. Hey, let me tell you this. I think this is really, I think this pertains to today. Can I tell you how? Just share. Spiritual friends are also honest. I think it's interesting when you look at John chapter 1 there, and Philip goes and he tells Nathaniel, We have found the Messiah, the one Jesus spoke of, Jesus of Nazareth. And what does Nathaniel say? Nazareth. See, Nazareth sort of had this kind of reputation. And so Nathaniel says, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's kind of like today if you said, I found the Messiah. He's from Vegas. Maybe <laughs> like, what? I don't think Messiah's come out of Vegas. But Nazareth sort of had this reputation. But Matthew, the 22nd chapter, speaking about Jesus, 
because after Joseph and Mary, because God had spoken then, told them to take the child and go to Egypt, after Herod was dead, he told him to come back. And he settled in Nazareth. In Matthew 2 and verse 23, that he might be called a Nazarene. So, Nathaniel, you might have your thoughts, but let me tell you what the prophets said. Can we do that? Oh, I don't think that you have to be baptized. Let me just tell you what the Savior said. Jesus. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. No fuss, no quarrel. This this is what he said. Now you're going to have to decide. But I'm confident. (laughs) Because it's written of what I'm telling. Matthew, the 16th chapter about verse 13, then about verse 15. When Jesus came into the area of Caesarea Philippi, He asked them, His disciples, Who do men say that I am? That's just sort of public opinion. And you ever notice that if you just kind of ask somebody's opinion, (laughs) a lot of times they'll give it to you. (laughs) What do you think about Jesus? Let's just kick off the conversation. And then Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? You see that? And we know how Peter answered. So people give their opinion. And then as a Christian, you can say, but this is what God's Word says about it. I wish we had the time. So I'll just point you in the direction. The Gospel according to John. And I use that because we're already using John this morning. The Gospel of John really sort of breaks into two sections. 2 through 11. And then 12 through 21. You recall from chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Verse 14. And the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as the only begotten of the Father. We beheld his glory. That's a good way to think about the Gospel of John and the way it breaks up. Because it goes from chapter 2 to chapter 11. And then there's chapter 12 to chapter 21. And as you look at the bookends for both of those sections, it talks about Glory. Jesus' glory. And the very first time is John chapter 2 and Jesus is at a wedding. Remember that? And do you remember what Jesus does at that wedding? He turns that water into wine and then John says, and His disciples beheld His glory. First book in. And then you go all the way to chapter 11. And you know what takes place in chapter 11? 
There's two sisters that have been calling for the Lord. And why is it that they've been calling for Him? Because their brother passed away. And in chapter 2, or chapter 11, sorry. Jesus said, Did I not tell you to believe? And you would see the glory of God. John chapter 12. After Jesus enters Jerusalem, this is that final week. He said, The hour has come that the Son of Man may be glorified. Verse 28. Father, glorify your name. And a voice from heaven said, I have both glorified it and it will and I will glorify it again. Changing the water into wine. Raising Lazarus from the dead and everything that happened in between. And then his entering Jerusalem, you're going to see his glory as he goes to the cross and then as he is resurrected. Come and see. John 1 and verse 46. Can anything good, verse 45, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip says, come see. Come see. He doesn't take it personally. He just says, you come see. Come check it out. And so as he comes in verse 47, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false or in no, no deceit. And then Nathanael says to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathanael answered, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So when Nathaniel gets to Jesus, you know what he discovers? Jesus already knows him. Matthew 10 and verse 29. Jesus said, there is no sparrow that falls to the ground that your Father in Heaven does not know. You know what that's saying? If He knows them, He knows you. And so that's what Jesus is saying. I know you, the Nathaniel. And so when a person comes to Jesus, what they discover is, what they're trying to do is to learn about Him, but He already knows them. He knows every one of us. And so sooner or later, every person has to make their own decision about Jesus. But the point to be made is this. You can't drive them there. You've got to lead them there. And that's what Philip did. He just wanted to get the conversation started. 
Another writer put it this way. In this whole area of spiritual formation, he uses that terminology again. In our sharing of faith, we don't take God to anybody. He's already there. And He's already more interested in that person than we are. We just help them see God is already there. We don't take God to them. We bring them to God. God's already there. He knows it. So he goes on to say, what we need to do is simply be attentive to what God is doing. Because God is on a mission. So He wants us to be His hands. He wants us to be His feet. He wants us to be His eyes. He wants us to be our, His ears. And listen. Are they interested? And if the door is open, walk through it. And He went on to say, Remember, we don't save people. We can't save people. All we do, all we get to do, is to be friends with people. Care about their souls. Share the good news. Be honest about differences. And invite them to take a closer look. Original. Be a friend. It's like we talked about in class this morning. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who would believe. Share the message. There's nothing wrong with building friendships even with unbelievers. But the primary focus of such a relationship should be to win them to Christ by sharing the gospel and helping them to see God and to see God in our lives. I kind of went right through that uh, third point there. So I'm not starting the third point. That's the end. Proverbs 18 and 20, verse 24. If a man would have friends, he must be a friend. Proverbs 12 and verse 26 that we started with. The righteous choose their friends carefully. Let me run just a few passages by as we close in regards to friends. Proverbs 17 and verse 17. A true friend loves at all times. Proverbs 27 and verse 9. A friend gives heartfelt advice and it brings joy to the heart. Proverbs 27, verse 5 and 6. A true friend rebukes if necessary, but that correction is done in love. Proverbs 27. A true friend sharpens another. Iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 18 and verse 24, a true friend is loyal. There is a friend that is closer than a brother. Ecclesiastes 4, a true friend helps in time of need. Two are better than one. So we think about friends. We think about Christian friends. We think about friends that we have in the world. And we think about our responsibility as being friends. I want to extend the invitation to any and all that are here this morning. Jesus 
is the best friend that you will ever have. And He invites you to come to Him. If we can help you in any way, make your relationship right with the Lord today, let us know while together we stand and while we sing.